everybody, welcome to episode 57 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with uh, Jimmy Duresta. Hey everybody, thank you for listening. And David Picciuto. Howdy. How are you? Very good, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing really good. You guys yeah. know it's like 50 degrees right now in New York City? It's This it's is like awesome spring. It's, it's crazy. like 75 degrees here. It's crazy. It's and nuts. And those of you who are listening to this in the future, it is... <laughs> it is February 2nd, and so right. it should not be this nice. It's crazy. You know what's, you guys want to hear something stupid? I found yes. out today we're going to have an early spring, right? So I'm getting a, a, I bought my second shipping container because I'm a hoarder. So I'm having another shipping container delivered to my property. And I bought it like around Halloween, maybe a couple of weeks after Halloween. And the guy is, he's like four properties away, which I guess is about a half a mile away from me. And he, he has to drive his truck up and drop it off on my back property. But the ground has been too mushy. So he said, once the, the freeze comes, he goes, I'll do it and we'll go back. And uh, it still hasn't been cold enough for him to drive his truck on my, my property without mushing oh, up the grass. Crazy. So I called them today and that's and his assistant said, well, you know, we're, now we're due for an early spring. So she's like, I don't know. We're just going to have to go for it when it seems to be the coldest day. So, Is this based on the, the groundhog thing? I'm not sure. I know today was groundhog day. People take that as fact. <laughs> I think in Poxitoni, but that's probably nowhere else. Okay. Supposedly that groundhog is the same groundhog for the last 125 years. Oh, wow. That's know. an impressive groundhog. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a robo groundhog. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's, yeah. that's just the PR BS story. I don't think that's real. Oh, probably. That's yeah. a pretty good guess. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just this is going to be an early spring, and it's uh, it's crazy. I, I, I love it. I just hope my container gets shipped without mushing up my grass. That's the only thing I'm worried about. Yeah. I remember you saying that you got one a long time ago. I just I, assumed you already had it on your No. Front. I said I got it thinking it was going to be delivered like in a couple of days from that conversation, and it just has never been. Hmm. And, and also, I mean, he travels too. So between his, he's a truck driver. So between his deliveries and his ability to drop it off, the weather hasn't coincided with you know gotcha so so do you have like a big loop on your property that he can drive through and drop it somewhere or does he have to go out somewhere and then like turn this giant truck around in the woods uh no he could drive in and like kind of do like a three-point turn in the section where he's going and then drive back out hmm. we we cleared a path to the uh to the se- it's going to be the section where i have this you know fantasy to build a barn gotcha. <laughs> when in fact i'm actually going to send the deposit to the engineer this week so nice. the plans are going to be actually engineered. It's it's just everything takes forever, you know. And if I had if I had a uh, you know a couple hundred thousand dollars to like get this thing fast tracked, it probably would have been started by now. But I don't have that at hand, and so I'm going to do it in a little bit at a time. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. Yeah, not investing too much in something, you know, get too far into it and realize that you need to change something or whatever. Yeah, so that's why once the engineer makes the plans, then it'll be kind of set, at least the foundation and then you know the decoration or the final finish of the building is a little bit more liberal but the actual building itself as far as the foundation and then then the cast concrete walls and all that stuff will go start to to happen i hope awesome Mm -hmm. cool well what have we been uh working on what have you guys been working on uh well i'm working on and i'm not filming it a clamp rack i don't want to slow it down by making a video about it and then um I have a couple videos that I think my next video out is going to be a laser based project video. It's already been shot. It was actually shot in October. I just need to edit it. And then I have a cooking video that's coming out that'll 
um, upset some woodworkers. So yeah, cooking, <laughs> cooking with lasers that would be awesome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're gonna you make can? like walnuts, walnut wood soup. Yeah, yeah. You can put food in a laser and engrave images and logos and things on them. So awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna start putting my logo in all my steaks. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> That's funny. We did, when we did a sh- an episode of Hammered a long time ago, I wrote the word hammered on a grill so that it would cook into the steak in reverse. So in the, on the grill, it was written in reverse and oh, nice. honestly, I don't even remember if it worked. <laughs> it's just been so long. I, I blocked out all those memories. <laughs> TV shows. But I've been working, I just finished a video and for my Patreons, they've got a chance to see it. I did a, a video for... For Core 77, and uh, I got a new TIG welder, so I TIG welded up a new stool for myself, which uh, currently has become my end table next to my bed. It's conveniently has become my end table. Can you quickly explain, because I don't know the difference mm-hmm. between a TIG welder and a MIG welder. Mm, oh, for yes. sure, yeah. It's, it's actually, uh, it, it is the big mystery, and it was for me too, until I uh, demystified it for myself. What it is, is... It, these shows aren't as common as they used to be, but when you, do you guys remember the, the, the chopper shows or the guys were making motorcycles all the time? Yeah. And you could plainly see when you MIG weld, it's like a trigger on a, on a wire and you pull that trigger. And when you pull the trigger, wire is fed out of the tip. That's a MIG welder. And that means metal inert gas, M I G metal inert gas. And that MIG typically means wire is fed through the handle. And TIG means tungsten inert gas. And tungsten is the little tip of a pen that when you set the electric, either with a foot pedal or by a scratch TIG, which means you touch it and then it sets the arc, the arc becomes the source of heat that melts the metal and then you feed the wire in with your other hand. So when you see somebody TIG welding, they usually have both hands occupied, one with a wire stick and one with the pen. So that's TIG welding. And that's what you've seen most of the time when guys are making like gas tanks and thin sheet metal. So typically like a TIG welder is for more delicate stuff, like thin sheet metal. Typically, not always the same, but so TIG, tungsten inert gas is for like thin sheet metal, gas tank building and that kind of stuff. And MIG is for heavier stuff. Like you might see a guy MIG welding on like the frame of a car, for instance. And then the third way to weld is with a stick. And that's when you have like a stick inside of a handle. And then that's like the old fashioned way. Like you see, like, you know, the guys building ships in the old black and white videos, they're usually stick welding. And you usually see stick welding on construction sites, like stick welding I-beams together and stuff. Now, what's the difference there with, I mean, it sounds like with TIG, you're still kind of using a stick. Uh, well, yeah. A TIG is a little bit more, uh, it's a little bit more of a delicate controlled weld. Mm. Um, you could, like, for instance, you could TIG weld two razor blades together. And it's always like a test of somebody's expertise. A lot of guys will TIG weld uh, like two razor blades, like side by side, and you get like a perfect little TIG weld between. And when I say it's like the welded bead is like an eighth of an inch wide. You can't necessarily weld that delicately with with a, a MIG welder with the wire fed handle. That's a little bit more of an aggressive wider weld. And with TIG welding is typically used also most often for aluminum although you could still use the other process. You could use it for, uh, most often you see people TIG welding aluminum too. And uh, again, another test of somebody's expertise is they'll TIG weld two soda cans together. And when you think about how thin the wall of a soda can is, 
if you TIG weld and you and you can control the heat and not burn through it, then you know you you're, you're doing pretty good. It's like a, you know it's a again it's like a a test of somebody's expertise. Well so. explained. I I feel yeah. better now. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'm making sense because it's 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 like like I said, the, the best visual is when you see somebody with two objects in their hands, like a wire and the pen. That's TIG welding. That's more delicate. And when you see somebody with just like a trigger loaded handle, that's MIG welding, wire fed welding. And then when you break down wire fed welding, you could have gas shielded, which means the gas comes out of the tip, or you could have what's called flux core wire when the flux is in the, is in the center of the wire and you don't need gas. Now that's a, for another conversation. That I was, was going to interrupt you one more time, but we'll save that for another conversation because <laughs> yeah. I have the flux core at home. I don't have, okay, I don't have yeah. a tank of gas. Right. And it, it seemed to work, but uh, we'll, we'll save that. Yeah. Every time you weld, it has to be shielded either by slag, which comes off of like, the, uh, and a flux core comes out of the center of the wire. It's built into the center of the wire. Or uh, when you stick weld, if you guys ever see stick welding rods, as a kid, I used to see them around construction sites. What was left over was the one inch and it had looked like, like, it, like cookie dough on the outside of a piece of wire and you'd break it off. It looked like clay wrapped around the wire. And that's, did you ever see a guy weld and then he hammers it and then the chip comes off and you see the beautiful weld underneath the, the slag? Mm. That slag is shielding the weld. It literally melts over it. So when you're welding, it protects it from oxygen. Hmm. And, and then it, it's either the slag or the um, flux on the outside of the, the stick or gas shielding. They both serve the same purpose. To keep oxygen I've, out of the weld. Yeah, I've used, um, with my MIG, I've used both types. And... Mm-hmm. I had better luck. I mean, like the flux core stuff worked for me, but I had better luck with the gas. And yeah, stuff you get a much cleaner stuff. weld when you have a gas shielded weld. Flux yeah. works; it's just splattery and it's smoky. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't even intend on talking about that, but that actually clears up for a lot of people. And if anybody has any questions, I say definitely check out uh, my friend Jody Collier at WeldingTipsAndTricks.com, and you go through his old videos, and he explains welding. He's he's a welding teacher for a career, so he's really, really uh, skilled at teaching and, and welding together. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, um, this week and last week and several weeks before have all been about my arcade cabinet. <laughs> is it out yet? I mean, I know we've seen pictures is, of it. Has the public seen pictures of it yet? Not yet, but the first of three videos are going to be out. I guess when the show's out, it will have been out. So mm-hmm. it's coming out this Thursday. So I'm really excited to finally get it out there. So the next three weeks are going to be like me releasing those videos and doing other projects in the background to try to get ahead. So cool. Yeah. And I'm really excited. It's awesome to have in the living room and it's like <laughs> just so cool to see it like actually there being a real thing. And and that header, that header something. lights up, that header over the, like the screen lights up. Yeah. 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 It looks great. It looks just like something you'd see like line up, like, like when we went to that arcade in Chicago, it looks like it would be on the wall right there. Thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy with how it turned out. I mean, yeah. And the first video is doesn't actually show it, you know, it's like the woodworking portion of it. Uh, so you'll see it like in structure, but you won't see any of the finish yet. And that's that's all in part two. So, so there's a teaser within the teaser. Yeah, kinda. So I hope people won't be mad that they get to the end of that video and are like, but I still can't see it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. It it came out super professional. It looks just like something made by Bally's like you would see at any arcade. Yeah. Well, thanks. The it was interesting when we were in uh, when we were in Chicago. I sat down and started talking to a guy, and uh, he 
asked me about stuff and I told him I was building this arcade and told him all about the things that I was doing and my plans and all the stuff. And I said, so what do you do? And he said, oh, actually, um, I own a company that makes arcade cabinets. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up telling me all like about the production process and like, the, the you know, they do like the game and the cabinet manufacturing and then they, they sell them out to arcades and stuff like that. It was really awesome, but I learned a lot after the fact, but I learned a lot about how that process works. So it was pretty cool. But yeah, that's what I'm up to. And um, we just finished the plans for the arcade machine. So the plans are going to be available if anybody wants to make their own. And I'm excited to have my first like big detailed set of plans out. That would be cool. Does that include to wiring? Who's gonna make um, so the plans are just going to be the, the actual cabinet, just the woodworking stuff. Okay. And then all the electrical and all the wiring stuff is already being covered in the video. So I don't think there's... A lot of reason. I'll probably put like wiring diagrams out there for people if they want to copy it, but it's pretty well explained. And you know, cool. So yeah. And then the game itself, the game is it going to be is a cabinet that could have multiple games because you can go find that yeah. software somewhere in the world. Yeah. So the Raspberry Pi is running all the emulators pretty much. So every old arcade game, Nintendo, Atari, Super Nintendo, Sega, you know, all those systems, mm -hmm. they can run everything. So my kids are having a lot of fun playing Super Mario Brothers right now, which is pretty cool. And will you have Pac-Man on it? Yes, I will have Pac-Man on it. <laughs> and will you have Tempest on it? Ooh, I don't know. I, I would like to. Tempest is the only, that is the really only game time. I ever like playing. <laughs> Tempest. Oh, wow. Well, you have yeah, a, do yeah, you have a Tempest spinning knob on it? I didn't no, notice. No, no, oh, I don't have So how that. would you play Tempest on it? Would you have to yeah. put, dial in a, a, put on a dial? I'm not sure how you'd do that. Tempest worked Maybe with a dial can... right in the middle, as I recall, and you'd like spin it around the web. Hmm. Remember yeah, there's that? a few controls like that, that like the spinners and then the ball, like the oh, ones yeah, that yeah. Are, like the omnidirectional ball. I don't have one of those, so that cuts out certain games. But, you know, I don't need everything. You can make a second mm -hmm. video, arcade. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. Two arcade cabinets in my living room. But <laughs> you anyway, can charge yeah, the so neighborhood that's... kids to come and hang out. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> You walk around with an apron on, making change. <laughs> hey, kids, how's it going? Here's a token. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's me. That's what I've been up to. Um, so what are we going to talk about? Well, I had an idea, and hopefully it works out for us. Um, I wanted to share some of our future projects right now that are just in the concept stage. So if we go around one at a time and we share an idea until you know we get a little bit further along, and if we decide we're at a comfortable spot to end, but... I have about five or six ideas prepared, and um, I know you guys have about the same. So we could just talk about future videos that we want to do and, uh, you know, aren't necessarily going to be done in this exact order or may not be done for a while, but these are ideas from my notebook. Well, can we, can we qu like, qualify this and say yeah. these may be done never so that <laughs> nobody holds us to these? These are just ideas. No, these are just idea ideas. Book. Absolutely. No, these are yeah. just ideas out of our notebook. That, you know, like I said, I made the suggestion that we just pull out five or six ideas just to share. And, you know, it, it, it also, I think in us doing this, we did this a little bit when we were together in Chicago, brainstorm out loud and kind of was inspired there as well. Even just talking for a few minutes, we can come up with all of a sudden an idea that was just like a vague maybe. Now all of a sudden is like a clear vision. And you're like, hmm. All yeah. I need to do is go buy these three things, and then I have a great video ahead of me, you know, or a great build, however you call it. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I thought maybe we'd share that, and then also kind of illustrate the process a little bit. 
real quick, uh, have you guys worked in an environment where there was brainstorming amongst a bunch of people, like with a whiteboard? And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. I did. Yeah, I worked in several toy situations where we would brainstorm constantly. And, you know, we'd, we'd have a table full of competitor ideas and just try and figure out how to knock them off. I mean, that happens in the toy business all the time. Yeah. And yeah. I was the one that would always have the original idea. And then everybody sitting there would go, yeah, but that's not like this. And they would hold up like the number one selling toy. And I'd be like, well, when that toy came out, there wasn't anything like it. You know, that's, that's sort of a difficult mm-hmm. thing to navigate through when you work in a company that doesn't have very many visionaries. It's always a tough thing. Um, a lot of people you know, kind of follow the leader and they make a lot of money following the leader. And so uh, the last company I worked in followed the leader quite a bit. And so it was difficult to brainstorm in that circumstance because brainstorming was basically like just trying to figure out how to break the law and not get caught <laughs> as opposed to, <laughs> you know, I may say the law metaf- you know, metaphorically, not necessarily reality, but how to copy it without, you know, without, without being obviously overly explicit, but um when you try and break ground with a brand new, brand new idea in the toy business, uh, you know, you're in uncharted territory. So everybody's very nervous. They have nothing to compare it to. So it's, it's not something people do comfortably mm. in many, in many toy companies. One yeah. of the things, so I used to work in, you know, a few different web development type scenarios, <clears throat> one of which I owned the company. So I was kind of not at the employee level, but at, you know, at the upper level overseeing design and, development. So one of the things I always thought that was really interesting and frustrating about that situation was that you would have a project come in and we didn't typically send our creative team off and say like, go brainstorm some stuff and then come back and then we'll figure out how to build it. It was on purpose. It was like, okay, you talk about your ideas in front of the developers so that they can say, that's doable. That doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that's insane. Or, oh, we can make that better because we have this technology at our hand or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, this will probably kind of work with us as well, but I would challenge people who are looking to brainstorm to brainstorm sometimes with people who have a very different approach on, you know, who are looking at different sets of problems within the same scenario. I think it mm-hmm. can be good. Yep. Yeah. So who wants to go first? Well, uh, since it's my idea, I'll go first. And uh, one idea, I'm looking at this, uh, and I kind of, I didn't really have the breakthrough until we first started. I had on my list blacksmithing and chandelier, and then it occurred to me that if I blacksmith a chandelier, I get an opportunity to use some blacksmith joinery, which is something I've been watching Dirty Smith do quite a bit of. He's been my blacksmith teacher of late. Um, Dirty Smith, uh, uh, what what is his full name? I'm sorry, it escapes me at the moment. Rory. 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 Rory Smith? Rory. Rory Smith. Yeah, Rory Smith. Is it Rory Smith? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I've been watching. I know his name is Rory, but I want to give his full name. So, uh, I've been watching Dirty Smith, and um, he's doing some blacksmith joinery, and, and I, I, I watched some stuff that actually him and his dad were on a news segment on CNN I happened to watch, which was pretty nice. cool. And uh, did you know that that show was on um, Mike Rowe, Someone's Got to Do It, you know, his new version of his TV yeah. show? Yeah. I mm-hmm. never saw that until I just happened to catch that on YouTube the other night. So... The idea of a chandelier is something Taylor keeps talking about. We have some old metal straps from, from wagon wheels. And so a combination of that kind of stuff. Rory May. I, I apologize. Yeah, Rory, Rory May. May. Rory May. Okay. So um, that's something that I want to do. So I want to blacksmith a chandelier. And I'm not sure if it's going to be electric or gas or, or candles, but I want to do hmm. something like that. And um, 
So just by writing these notes out, th- that little connection occurred to me just now. So sometimes having an idea floating around in your head, you can't make these connections until you put them on paper. Yeah. Does it have so, to match anything? Uh, I mean, as far as something in my house? Yes. Uh, no, no. This, I mean, my house is just my, if I made it, I would make it for my house. And my house is all very vintage and old. So anything old and rusty would fit perfectly. Hmm. Seriously, you know, and then that my house has got a lot of like peeling plaster pockets and stuff, which look kind of cool. So I'm not in a rush to fix any of this old peeling plaster up. You said you mentioned something about doing it gas. Yeah. Which, uh, have you done anything like that? Have you wired up a a gas fueled light? No, I haven't, but, um, I, I I guess you wouldn't wire that. (laughs) You'd pipe it up. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't, no, but I mean, it's definitely something I'm sure I could figure out. Yeah, You know, because uh, from time to time in my antique travels, we find old gas lamps, you know, things that would be on the outside of a house. And then, uh, you know, in New Orleans, when you walk around New Orleans, and where were we just recently? Oh, in Chicago, walking around in Chicago, you see some of these houses have gas lamps on the outside still. Mm. And all over New Orleans, like in the French Quarter, a lot of the houses still have little gas, little gas lamps outside at night. So, Yeah, there's some in Savannah too, downtown. Yeah, you know, it's the old way and it definitely looks, it looks historic and vintage, so... Yeah, so that's an idea. So I don't know. We'll see where that goes. Um, that is definitely something that was gonna that'll take more time. I, I, as far as videos go, and me building, making builds, I'm having a hard time f- lately. I go through cycles, but moment, momentarily, I'm having a hard time finding the time to make an elaborate video. So when I make a video, yeah. I have to think, okay, this has to be done in a day. Yeah. So it's a little difficult to make something like this. Would definitely be like a few day build. So I'd have to find the moment in time, like when I'm upstate for a week and I'm able to blacksmith and do that stuff and experiment with blacksmith because I'm not good at it yet. So. Yeah. So a lot of preparation. Yeah. So that's, so, okay. So I have blacksmithing chandelier. Well, so I have one to kind of go, go off of that Yeah. because I was curious about the, the gas piping because the other day I was out in my backyard looking at my grill and it's like, it still works, but it's rusted out like the back has holes rusted in it. Somebody actually said I should just send it to you because you would probably love it, Jimmy. Not the way it looks. Rusted. <laughs> anyway, but so I was, you know, joking around in the comment about like, hey, who wants to sponsor me a new uh, grill? Totally joking, was not asking for a sponsorship. Um, but then somebody mentioned like, make your own grill. And that hadn't even occurred to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. On Hammered, I made a grill out of a, out of a, uh, a drum. And I just was inspired by... You know, growing up with my dad in the farm, and they always would cut a fifty-five gallon drum in half, right. and have big. And you see them when you do like you know big carnivals and stuff. These guys prepare big charcoal bins made out of half drums. Yeah. So I I made that and I made it you know kind of sexy and and uh, I tried. Yeah, would this so be I, gas or charcoal? I think it, I think it would be gas. I mean, um, I know everybody likes charcoal for different reasons or whatever, but with kids, I don't really have time. To wait on charcoal. <laughs> it's like we need we need hot dogs, right? <laughs> I'm a gas so, guy myself, so yeah. I don't yeah, have yeah. I have yeah. both, and I like I prefer gas because it obviously is quicker, definitely. Yeah, but you know, so to, I think I, a good way to do that would be just to get a good old gas grill and just you know salvage the guts and just build a new top around it. Yeah, and then somebody else said that you know you can buy all the replacement parts for mm-hmm. a gas grill, all the the nozzles and all that stuff, and um, you know just get all the replacement pieces to get them new and then put them in a big container. But it was just funny because it makes sense that I should think first to make things. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was a case where I was like, that's a thing that I've always purchased. Never even considered making my own, even though it's probably not that hard. I could figure it out. 
Um, but anyway, so that's now one of the things I've been thinking about is making a grill. I'm like, you know, how do I want to make that? Like, what are the requirements for something that holds that kind of heat? I've never done that before. So yeah, just get some lava rocks and just get, you know, some, one thing I did notice when I made my grill on the TV episodes that the heat did deflect some of the metal. So if you were going to make it out of a uh, metal, just, I would say use a heavier gauge metal. Cause I used Yeah, the, that was one of the things I didn't know. It's like yeah. how, you know, how thick does that really need to be? And then the thicker it gets, the harder it is to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What tools do I need to be able to work with a thick gauge? And I'll tell know? you one thing I did as a mistake. Um, uh, I made, uh, I made the grill and, and, and if this is probably online somewhere, the TV show hammered, we made the grill and I made the word hammered spelled out backwards. So it would burn into the steak, but I made the grill out of one at a pencil rod. They call it. It's like, um, quarter inch rod that you would buy mm-hmm. from a metal maker. And I made it just a big span of just straight rods. I did not put ribs across them. So oh, when you look yeah. at it left to right, the, the it's like, you know, every half inch, there's a metal rod glued on one side, welded on one side and welded to the other side, 24 inches away with no support in between. Hmm. That was a huge mistake because once the grill heated up, every one of those rods started just twisting in every direction. <laughs> <laughs> and all like it, it, I think we we did we carefully hid it from the camera's view, but when <laughs> I heated up those rods, every one of them just wrinkled, and there, and there was like they were touching in some spots. There were like an inch gap in other spots, but that's oh, because wow. I didn't weld supports across like at every six inches, for instance. Huh. You know, spanning all the way across that grid that I made. Yeah, I just thought it looked sexier if they were all just supported straight across with nothing in between except for the word. Yeah. But you know how wrong was I? And you live and learn. Hmm. So if you were going to make your own grill, or of course you could just find one. I made one because we had to put the word in it. But if you just made it to fit one that you found from another grill or recycle from another grill. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's good. David, what you got? So uh, I'm an Amazon Prime member. So we get a lot of Amazon boxes here, not only for work, but for home. And so whenever we can buy something online, we do so. So I would like to have an Amazon box opener always hanging by the door. And so basically it's a box cutter, but it's something that I'm going to make. And I don't have any clues on what it's going to be made out of. I just know I have the idea for this box opener. And I thought instead of a retractable blade, so you don't cut yourself, um, have like some sort of like hinge little spring um it kind of retracts as you put it up against the, the piece, kind of like a, how the uh, a joiner guard works, you know? Yeah. Hmm. And uh, I don't know if it's just all metal or wood or a combination or whatever, but I'm, I don't even, I've never, I haven't researched it. So maybe these things exist and maybe there's already ideas out there, but I kind of want to design one without looking at other people's ideas. I can describe to you something that I made once. Sure. I have an idea too. Go ahead. I, yeah. I basically, I, I cut like a corner. So imagine if I just join two pieces of wood together and each piece of wood, it sets like three quarter inch plywood and you have a piece that's three by three and another piece that's three by three and you glue them together to make a corner, right? And so that corner can like naturally ride on the top of a cardboard box. Mm-hmm. And then you just take a bandsaw blade, cut it in and then have a razor blade stick through it partially, hot glue it in place. So then when you run that on the corner of the box, it's basically making a parallel cut to that corner. So you just go zip, 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 zip. And then you've just cut the whole entire corner. You just cut oh, the whole you're actually of the cutting. The, you're cutting through the cardboard, not through the tape, right? Yeah, I'm just cutting the whole top. That's how I tip. That's how I typically do. When I get a box, like you guys watch Casey open his mail up and he just punches the tape. You ever watch Casey <laughs> and he's that do mail? 
and he like punches the tape and tears it into pieces. I immediately open my box cutter, which I always have in my pocket, and I slice about a half inch down from the whole entire top. So I literally like cut it on three sides and then just literally open the whole lid up like a coffin. That's how I open up all my boxes. So this box cutter we made years ago was for the same reason, because we were opening up a lot of samples in a Hong Kong toy fair once, and we just made it out of hot glue. And we just literally cut the lid up. And so then all the boxes have no lids on them. So all the boxes just sat side by side in the showroom with no tops on them at all. No flaps and anything. And that was the reason why we did that. We just wanted to like raise the blade off the complete top of the box, get rid of the flaps and everything. Yeah. Again, that was like a circumstance for a trade show when we had 100 boxes to open. Yeah, I I like that idea. I don't think it would work for me because a lot of times we save and reuse the boxes whether yep. we're shipping stuff. Or I just yep. break, I cut them at the tape so we can break them down. And No, it makes perfect flat. sense. That's yeah. why I said we did that because we had a, like a ton of stuff. We, we basically <clears> made like a, to sort through and grab two of those, one of those. We made like a big bin situation. Yeah. So my idea was to do a, um, a blade that's only there when a pressure is applied. So say you had like a piece of wood, a little slot cut in it, a blade behind that. And then underneath the piece of wood, you have like four springs in each corner, one in each corner that maybe come out of a, you know, a pen or something really low power springs. You mount this thing on the wall so that when it, the springs are not compressed, the blade is not out. But when you push it against the wall, the blade sticks through a little slot. So you get the box from the mailman. This thing's hanging (laughs) on the wall. You take this, push it against the wall and drag it down and it cuts the tape and then turn it, push it against the wall, drag it down. And so it's cutting the tape, you know, on the wall, right by the door. As long as you don't and lean up against that accidentally. I like that idea. Well, yeah. I mean, you're talking like a, it wouldn't have to stick out very much. Yeah. It reminds me of that scene yeah. from, uh, remember Billy Hayes, the guy that smuggles heroin and he fights yeah. with the guard. I can't remember the name of the, the movie. He fights with the guard and he pushes him and the guard falls against the wall and the coat hook goes right into the back of his skull and the guy falls wow. off the wall and pulls the coat hook off the wall and then of course he's dead. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the movie. It was a very famous movie about Billy Hayes who gets caught smuggling heroin in turkey anyway never mind but you remind me like it, it's like a thing like if you leaned on it if you push yeah. the security guard against it and he slid right. down it would open up the back of his neck <laughs> or the package or the one. package <laughs> that's awesome this is like code for awful things <laughs> no i like the idea of dragging the package over the knife as opposed to vice versa yeah yeah, I mean, it, that depends on, I guess, if you have a really heavy package, if it's something you want to lift up and press against the wall or, you know, but or a person. it would be a way that you did, wouldn't have to, <laughs> or a person. Anyway, come into my foyer, come into my foyer. I want to, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 a little no, further. No. Stand there. Yeah. yeah. So if you go to Jimmy, if you go to Jimmy's house, stand in the middle of every room. That's the thing. Yeah, don't stand near the walls. <laughs> All right, All Jimmy, right. you're next. What you got? Uh, okay. Well, this is something that I, I promised that 500,000 subscribers, which I'm getting close to, I'm going to do my letterpress. And if the weather keeps holding out in New York, my letterpress is under my porch. So it's not out in the weather fully, but it's out in the weather. It's still oiled and it's still moving and operating well. I'm going to make a letterpress video. And I'm, I, the thing that's been holding me up is the subject of the letterpress. I don't know what to do. But I have old letterpress blocks. And so in a combination of old letterpress blocks and a little CNC carving, I'm going to make a plate and the plate's going to basically be, instead of overthinking it, it's just going to be a demonstration of the letterpress. I might have the word 500,000 subscribers. Thank you. Something, something like that. 
and then I'll make a bunch of them to give away. But I'm going to do the third and final installment of my letterpress. And a couple of things that I've been up against. I have new rollers. They're brand new. So the rollers will work fine. My springs are all working well. It's just getting that letterpress plate done and in place and also a way to operate the machine. It has this big flywheel, right? Which is is prominent in the videos. If anybody has seen the videos, this big flywheel with S spokes. I'm going to make a piece of leather that wraps all the way around that and then wraps around just the mandrel, that half inch mandrel on a small 10 volt motor. And so it's going to basically keep the flywheel going and going slowly, which I don't need. Because that flywheel is going to keep the pressure so that when it makes one full revolution, it makes the closes the press, which makes the letter stamp. And then it just keeps going in the same direction, then opens it, and then you switch the paper out, and then it makes another cycle, and so on and so on. So that's going to be a little challenging, is figuring out how to hook the motor up, what kind of motor I'm going to use. So uh, either that or I could use a foot press, like a treadle. That's another option, is to make mm-hmm. the treadle. And I've been actually looking over the years, anytime I go to like a Brimfield antique show or uh, in upstate New York, we go to Bowkville, which is another like week-long antique show. I'm always looking for the treadle for a 1911 Chandler and Price letterpress, and they're not easy to find. I so, can imagine. Yeah, I can, make, I can make one up out of steel, so it's not you know historically accurate, but physically, mechanically accurate. So hmm. when that closes in in the next couple of months, it's something I definitely really want to do. Yeah, so, it seems like you'd have a lot more control over, you know, if you needed to, just of the speed of the process with that, mm-hmm. rather than like putting it on a motor and just kind of hoping that you can keep things running like they should be. Well, that's what I'm saying. If I do like the, uh, re- the, the ratio I'm talking about, where it's just like the size of the mandrel off the motor as like my drive gear, and then the other gear is like 36 inches or the other, the flywheel, it'll, it'll run slowly, but regularly. I won't have to keep like, you know, pumping it and trying to, so it'll run slowly enough for me to, to cycle through it, I think, but I won't know that until I do it. So, hmm. so that's definitely in the list of things to do. Awesome. I don't think I really have any suggestions to make that better. I, I just got to try it and keep uh, my hands out of the motor. That's what. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing would be, you know, if you had, you wanted to put an Arduino behind driving that motor so you had some more speed control. I mean, you can you can obviously do that without a, an Arduino, but mm. you could... How could I get an Arduino in there? What would I be able to do? Um, Robotic arm changing the paper? Actually, yeah. You could have a servo that flipped the, the next piece of paper into the press. You would have to you grab have it and pull out the old one. Well, you could have two of them. Servo on each side. You'd have to work the timing against the electric motor. I could just have so it that, shoot it out with like a press of air. So it like shoots out the old one. It just shoots away and like blows into the room. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so every time the letterpress opens, it goes Psh! and just shoots the old piece of paper out. Yes. Be like the worst possible place for paper cuts ever. <laughs> just don't stand in front of that thing. <laughs> hmm. I mean, theoretically, you could have, um, you'd have to time it with the electric motor that was making the whole thing run. But you right. could have a servo... Uh, that was pushing a piece of paper into it and a server on the other side that was pulling the paper out. Hmm. You know, I probably won't get that complicated for this one, but it's fun to play and, and brainstorm. If you yeah, ever yeah. watch those, they, uh, there was a moment in time where they all became just obsolete. Nobody was allowed to use them at all anymore because you literally have to reach your hand in and pull the paper out and stick another one in. And if mm-hmm. your timing was inaccurate, your fingers would get crushed. And so there was like a moment in time when like OSHA went into effect and like those machines basically became hobby shop machines. Whereas a time when they were like cutting edge technology, like Epson printers, 
now all of a sudden, because the new regulations, they were no longer being allowed to use anywhere. And so mm. they had to use like offset presses and machines that had physical and mechanical paper carriers. That's why, for instance, when you open up a newspaper, the edge of every piece of newspaper has a little tear in it, like a little deforked tear. That's for pulling paper in and mm. pushing it through the, the printer. In the old days, you literally would reach in, pull it out, put the other one in. So that's a, a letterpress machine. So if you guys ever watch videos of guys using letterpress machines, they're pretty incredible. I saw one. I was actually trying to find it right now. A friend of mine years ago shot this video of a guy that runs, he still runs a business off of the letterpress. Um, and it was a beautifully shot video. You would get a kick out of seeing this gigantic machine run. It was like one of those machines that takes up the entire room. You mm -hmm. know? Um I'll see if I can find it and put it in the notes. And recently, but, yeah. the channel How to Make Everything just did a um, How to Make a Book from Scratch. And he there's an old school letterpress in there. Mm -hmm. Like one one word at a time or one line at a time. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I know once I get into it, I'll, I'll, I'll start doing it more often. But it's me, honestly, just breaking the ice, just getting that first pl printing plate set up on the machine and stuff. It's been a little bit of a mental hurdle for me. But like I said, I've made it my goal now at 500,000 subscribers as like a gift to my subscriber support base. And then also just as a hurdle for myself to get past it. Nice. So you better hurry up. You're getting there quick. I know. I'm about 40,000 away. Um, so for me, let's see. You said something about leather, which has me. I've been thinking about doing a sewing project for a while. I'd like to do leather eventually, but I don't have anything for that yet. But I think, and I have zero experience there. So I think the first thing would probably be to just do something with the sewing machine, just some material. And so I've thought about, you know, I don't really think I would wear a shop apron for any reason. I don't, I'm just not, that's just not me. But I think I would probably make one anyway, just to mm -hmm. have the process. Um, you know, I mean, it's basically the ones that I'm looking at making are basically the same as the ones that my daughter and wife wear in the kitchen on occasion, um, construction wise and just different sizes and stuff. So I've looked at them, tried to deconstruct the pattern as to what it would be. And my wife sews. And so she could just easily tell me how to do this, but I'm trying to like figure out what I don't know before I go to her and say like, Hey, teach me how to do this thing or do this mm -hmm. thing. You're going to need a shop apron when you start using that lathe that you never use. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have an apron when you're going to do something messy. Yeah. I'm just so used to wiping my hands on my shirt. <laughs> but when you have an apron on, you do that without guilt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if, yeah, you're right. If I had one, I would probably end up wearing it because then I would be a little more reckless with like what, you mm -hmm. know, what I'm doing and probably be more productive. Um, so anyway, the apron is one thing and I've tried to think of another, something else. I don't, I don't know. I haven't really been able to think of another sewing project, but I want to learn how to sew. You so know, what's a really good, goal, uh, a really know? good sewing project and, um, uh, I always show my students whenever I bring a sewing machine to class and I get them, make like zipper pouches. You know, like uh, Klein Tools makes those zipper pouches. I use the, mm. you can get them at Home Depot. They make Home Depot versions, but they also make the Klein versions, which are better. Uh, they make zipper pouches so you can keep tools. Like instead of keeping tools in a box, you keep like a bunch of hand tools in a zipper pouch. Oh, right. And if you get some zippers and you get some canvas and, uh, you know, you could steal zippers off of old jackets or, you know, off of even a pair of jeans. If you made a small as you could take the zipper fly out, just literally use an X-Acto knife and cut the fly out. Um, 
So making a zipper pouch is a quick project that I always show my students and some of them take it up and they try it. So to make like a little zipper pouch for, you know, a package of screws or, you know, your screw gun tips, for instance. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been wanting to get a sewing machine for a long time. I've said I'm going to get one, but I just haven't yet. But one of the projects I've always wanted to do is amplifier covers or like guitar amplifiers. Oh yeah. Um, and that's that's a custom thing that you'd you'd have to make because amplifiers there's all kinds of places for dust to get in and just stay, and but that could translate into shop things like so you could have a cover that's just on your camera, but it could have little pouches in there to hold hold your cards and and maybe mm-hmm. your, the the camera charger or whatever you know so things mm-hmm. that you don't want dust on that is always up around your shop. Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, okay. How about this? How about some? I was getting ready to say before that. About like I thought about doing a tool belt, you know, like that have like a canvas bag that people put nails in and stuff that goes around your waist. But maybe there's something like that that's like a canvas uh, tool bag thing for your tripod. Yep. That whole mm. camera tripod that holds all the extra camera stuff, lenses mm. and stuff that you swap out that you can. Yeah. Mm, okay. Because most mm-hmm. of the tripods have that little hook that's right in the yeah. middle. And it's for a camera bag. So, yeah, right. that's that's a good idea. Nice. And then awesome. just that you just reminded me, which probably uh, people in the know would be listening would assume you were about to say, because I thought you were going there. The samurai uh, woodworker, he made a, a vest, a tool vest, which is pretty cool. And a lot of people suggest I try and make one. But it, he's made this thing out of leather and rivets and stuff. So he has all his tools on this like vest. Instead of wearing it around his waist, he wears it as a vest, which looks like it's pretty efficient for what, for what he's doing. So hmm. just another project just for anybody listening this is to make a tool vest. I should make a tool bandolier. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That's cool. <laughs> It'll look like Chewbacca. You could. Oh, wait. Okay. At some point, when we're done with this, we'd have to talk about the Star Wars pictures on Twitter. <laughs> so, I think mine is the best. By the way. We'll get through We'll get through that. <laughs> Let's get through the tool. Thing. All right, David, what you got? Uh, so, and I've talked about it in the past is I want to take one of my turntables and gut it and then make like a new base and make it very stylish i don't know exactly how i want to do it i i, I kind of like the idea of just a square walnut platform and then you know carving out the little holes for all the buttons and everything and then uh like a clear acrylic top where the turntable is that kind of rises the the record above the uh, above the walnut it's kind of what i'm picturing hmm. in my head but um i think it would be a really cool project i haven't seen anybody else do it and it was just, I'm also really scared to do it because this is a project right. like, if I, so I tear apart a, a record player, there's really no going back. And it's like, it, it feels like it's something I could screw up. Hmm. I don't know. I think, at, well, one, you could start with a cheap record player to figure out the mechanics of it, you know? Yeah. And like what you're going to have to move and what you can keep and what you have to throw away. And it'll probably translate to like the nicer one. But you know, at the same time, like that stuff is all fairly basic. Like they're not really that complex. So right. even if you did break something, you could probably fix it. That's a cool idea though, because there's a lot of stuff you could do on that that would get you into like other things you hadn't done or haven't done much of. Like the acrylic piece that you're talking about to cover the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You build a vacuum former or figure out a vacuum former to be able to vacuum form that piece. Oh. Um, you could do molding and casting, which you've already done some of, but for like the buttons, you can make your own buttons to fit into the wood. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. It'd be cool. So if you guys were doing this project, would you design it first and then tear apart a record player? 
or would you design it after you tore it apart so you can kind of see the internal guts? I would probably make it as I went. Yeah. Tear it apart and start thinking about it as you go. Yeah, I would tear it apart, get all the pieces, and figure out what I had to keep, like what was necessary of the process. Because I don't know exactly how they work on the inside. So I'd figure out what I had to keep and then build from there. Mm-hmm. We just had uh, lightning and, and thunder. Nice. Ooh, totally I'm in the basement. That. So if, if there is a tornado, a, you know, the, the common February tornadoes, I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. We don't have to stop. As long as all, suddenly you're not in like sunlight, we'll know that you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you opened your roof. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I well, got I got an idea that um, is a little crazy, and uh, inspired by a, one of my. If any, if you guys heard me talk about my MakerCast podcast, I talk about a couple friends of mine that inspired me in my life, and I talked about uh, one particular friend of mine who's passed away. He passed away many years ago. In our, our friendship, he was very old, so he passed away. His name is Harry Ang, and uh, look up Harry Ang. I'll I'll put some uh, maybe I'll put a link to some of his Google Googleable links. And uh, Harry used to put objects in bottles, and he used to make impossible objects. And Harry and I used to challenge each other. I'm talking in the '90s. Uh, Harry passed away 10, 15 years ago. But when I knew he was coming to the city because he lived in California, he would come and visit me, and he would stay with me, and I would make impossible objects in the way that I knew how to do them and he would make impossible objects in the way that he knew how to do them and we would challenge each other and try and deconstruct each other's possible impossible objects and so Harry Yang puts things in bottles that's so there's a lot of his artwork still around I have a lot of them I have about six of his bottles and he would put padlocks inside of bottles and and decks of cards with bullets through them and things that impossible objects and so (laughs) have you seen are you guys looking at him no, I will. Oh, yeah. That sounds awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. It's pretty... You can Google him. Harry E-N-G. Anyway, um, so i uh, also talking to a sponsor. I might be doing potential work with a sponsor. And the idea of putting things in bottles pertaining to the sponsor came up. And so, one of the first things I thought of was to put a ship in a bottle. And, and if I had to build a model of a ship in a bottle... And I, when I say build, I mean, immediately everyone's like, oh, you would just cut the bottom off and fake it. That's obviously easy to do, but the you know the the legit, more intriguing way is to keep it honest and have everything go through the opening of the bottle. And so, um, I was thinking about maybe doing a ship in a bottle, but uh, an interesting approach. Like, what would be my approach to a ship in a bottle? I don't know what that is yet. I have a couple of ideas. If I could weld a ship in a bottle, I don't know, without fogging up the inside of the bottle with weld splatter. I don't know. It's just a crazy, crazy thought process to trying to do something in a bottle inspired by a a potential new sponsor and Harry, my old friend, Harry Yang. And uh, in the past, I'll explain one, because Harry didn't know my processes and and I didn't always know his processes. So when he visited me one time, I had a light bulb inside of a Snapple bottle, a regular light bulb. And he was mystified. He's like, how the hell did you do this? And I'm talking <laughs> to the master. But what he didn't know, when you first look at the, the light bulb, the light bulb wasn't real glass. It was rotocasted, smooth, smooth on material. I made a mold of a light bulb. And I was, you know how sometimes you're able to break the base off a light bulb and it comes off cleanly, that like screw base? Mm. So I made the mold of it without the screw base on it. And I pushed the mold inside the bottle, rotocasted inside that. And then with a long razor blade on a stick, I cut the mold off of the bottle and pulled the mold out of the bottle. 
So now I had the glass light bulb that was in wow. perfectly white plastic resin, hollow casted. I was lucky enough to get a good casting in hollow. So it looked like a light bulb. And then I, I had that bottom of the light bulb and I was able to push it through the opening of the, the it's fit just inside of the Snapple mouth. And I, then I just hot glued it onto the, to the casting of the light bulb. So it looked like a perfect <laughs> light bulb inside of a bottle. The only thing it did not have at the very bottom of the light bulb, which is at the bottom of the, the glass, at the bottom of the, the bottle, was, you know, it might say Philips Electric, you know, 75 watt bulb. It didn't have that printed on it because I couldn't do that. So when he saw Twitter. it, <laughs> right, when he saw it, he didn't understand because it, it was like nice crystal good, clean, cured resin, and it tinkled inside the bottle. It sounded just like real glass. And he said, he goes, I don't know how, he goes, I'm totally mystified. He goes, the only clue I have here is that it doesn't have printing on it, which leads me to believe it's not real glass. And after time, I, you know, <laughs> after, you know, of course, I explained it to him after a couple of, uh, you know, hours of us discussing how it could have been done. And uh, so... That was really cool, something that I did about 20 years ago, and that's something I want to try and do again. I gave him that, so he has it in his possession. So I haven't seen it in 20 years, but, um, and he's obviously since passed away. So that's something I want to do, is make impossible objects in bottles. Mm. And with this new sponsor that I might end up taking on, it might be the first project I do with them. Cool. So, so you're looking at things that you can construct in the bottle, or mm-hmm. things that you can just... Cause I immediately think of like ways to kind of game the system rather than actually making something. That well, would be I think, I mean, well, I could, I could game the system and then I could just like say, turn the video on and go, look at this. I put this in the bottle. Guess how I did it. Goodbye. You know what I mean? I want to, but <laughs> <laughs> the process would be me, me actually constructing it inside the bottle would be the process of the video. Well, and, and I don't mean like, I don't mean like just faking it to fake it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like taking, well, Okay, so you you faked a uh, a light bulb with another material. So That's I was right. thinking, what if you faked a different thing with a compressible material? So a possible you make you make something out of sponge or something, mm-hmm. and then you dehydrate the sponge to flatten it out. You put it in a bag where mm-hmm. it's like holding a vacuum. Right. Put it inside and break the vacuum, and then it expands. Something like that. Right. That's where I go. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like or like I know I know. Uh, one of Steve Ramsey's very uh, popular videos is where he's got like the nail inside the letter E or whatever that is. You ever see that? He's got like a nail in between piece, pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. seems like an impossible object, but what you do is you, you soak the wood and you compress it when it dries. And then you put that object in between and then you soak the wood again and the wood re-expands. And uh, that's how you get like an arrow through a tree. Like the, those, you know, you, you soak the, the end. So these are all impossible objects. So I would, I would try and figure out how to do stuff like that. Hmm. And it came up, and it came up as a brainstorm with a with this potential client of you know doing things, and we do a series of things in a bottle. If you, I could see this like being a whole series of like kind of like mm-hmm. art pieces. If you you know using the same bottles and the same uh, base, exactly, then they all play off of each other. And what comes right. in a bottle? <laughs> alcohol. Drinks. So it's a potential yeah. alcohol client. Yeah. Ah, nice. Very nice. Sweet. All right. Um, so one of the things I want to make, and I'm not sure how to make this into an interesting video. That's why I haven't done it yet. So when I was in college, I worked at a candle shop. In Savannah, there are a couple of candle makers, and they're like the decorative candles. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever even seen these. but Where they like slice through layers and roll it back. Yeah. But yeah, those are pretty. Yeah. 
So I used to work in the guy that owned one of these shops. I worked in his house and I made the cores for these things. So they have a clear core that's most of the candle that are poured into molds. And so we had these big vats of clear wax and I had all these aluminum molds and I would pour them with the wick in the middle of them. And then you you hold the wick, the wick's extra long. You hold the wick and you dip it in colors. So you have all these vats of color. So I would get as far as to make the molds and then they would dip them and carve them in the store in front of people. So, and the carving process is like you dip it in a color and then you dip it in a different color and you do that. And the whole time it's staying hot because you're adding hot wax to the outside of it. And before it cools, then you take a carving tool and you cut down into it and you get all these layers of different color that you fold back and you get these really crazy designs. So I can do that, but I'm not sure that the people that watch my videos are interested in having (laughs) a really decorative like flower candle. So I'm trying to figure out how to use that process, you know, the same mechanics there um, to to do some candle something. I, I mean, you could just do a quick video if you did it. Sometimes I'm always afraid that there's not enough substance in a video to make a full video. But then when I realize if I just make the video shorter, you know, as opposed yeah. to making it like a 13-minute video or a 12-minute video, make a four-minute video. Then all of a sudden it seems more digestible. And, you know, if you could do a beginning, middle and end within a few minutes and you have like a video that could potentially be, you know, could be a hit because, you know, shorter videos always seem to do better. And you got, you know, some pretty interesting visuals there. So there's definitely Mm -hmm. some, you know, if you could figure out a way to like, you know, also you could do part of the video could be about making the tools, the tools that you use to carve into it. If it's not a traditional knife, Hmm. you know, that's interesting. put an Arduino in it. (laughs) (laughs) just right in the middle of the candle embedded in that first layer and have it light up well i mean actually you know now that i think about it like i could do could see and see some parts of a mold yeah and then pour you know use that to create the the initial mold or i guess making the aluminum molds like we used to use in the shop that would be part of it is you know how to form aluminum into a shape that you want it to be Mm, seal it up and then pour so, if you put yeah, a, yeah. a Arduino that's like radio control from your iPhone inside the big master mold, the big thick interior mold, then you could be controlling it, <laughs> like the glow <laughs> okay, from inside yeah. the candle, like if, uh, you know, light and control. Like if yeah. you know, you have like a, a the Arduino the, uh, trips a, a lighter. Oh, a self <laughs> self lighting candle. Yeah, that's Ooh, trippy. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> You make a, like Zippo, a, good- a Zippo lighter with arms that like opens his own head and like walks out and then strikes himself, <laughs> climbs up the candle, lights the candle, and then it goes click and shuts its own head. That would be the away. most interesting video of all time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's it. I'm making a Zippo lighter with arms and legs. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing that came out of this for me. David, what you got? All right. So I'm doing a last minute change here. I wasn't going to talk about it because I thought it was too silly, but it's so Never. silly. I'm not sure how to accomplish <laughs> we just, it. We just talked about the Zippo yeah, 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 yeah. with arms. And maybe you guys could help me figure out how to do this. But I want to take uh, and make my own soles for my shoes with that, uh, a footprint. So, like, I just have a pair of Chuck Taylors and I somehow grind down the footprint that's there and then glue on another piece of something that carved on a cnc or that's laser. great that's a great idea yeah. well i know i know because i live with taylor and taylor makes shoes often she's made shoes for herself she makes sandals most often because they're a little bit quicker and easier to make so in the summertime she's always making sandals 
the leather, it's shoe sole leather that you could buy from a supplier and you could definitely put that on a CNC machine and CNC that. So if you CNC shoe shoe sole leather and then there's um, different types of glue. I mean, I always talk about using goop. You could certainly glue that to the bottom. Like, let's say you have like a pair of shoes with like a low heel. You can cut that heel off and just remake heels with this stuff that I'm talking about. It's called shoe sole leather. It's like the thickest leather and it's super dense. You could also make heels out of, you know, hardened black rubber too. And that would also, I'm sure, CNC pretty well. Hmm. So. Um, Have you ever used, I know you have, but would this be a good application for barge cement? Barge glue is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, What is barge glue? It's a shoe sole glue and leather glue. Yeah. Hmm. Is that, uh, Bob, have you, have you used it? It's a red and green can. I, yeah, it's uh, red and yellow. Yeah, red and yellow, red and yellow, red and yellow. I bought some, but I have yet to have a reason to use it. Yeah. I got it for some costume stuff that I want to work on soon and I haven't gotten to it. So. Yeah, that's exact. I wanted to say that name, but I couldn't remember it. So I wasn't going to um and ah, but you stole the words right out of my mind. Barge, <laughs> barge glue is what Terry uses all the time. It's two, it's basically two parts cement for shoes. So you put it on both halves, let it dry and then stick it together. Hmm. Yeah. That would be really cool. So are you going to like make your own design for the, uh, like the tread design? Yeah. Like so it would be yeah. inverted like Jimmy's grill. So when I, I leave a footprint, it, you know, it says Pachudo on there. It says, check it. Check it. It's <laughs> right, right. Don't follow me. <laughs> yeah. Or you put like smaller footprints inside your footprint oh, facing wow. the wrong direction. Oh, that's, they'll never find me. Yes. <laughs> they'll be standing right at the beginning of the footprints and going, okay, he's not here. Let me see where he came from. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Wait, hold on a minute. I just had an aneurysm. Hold on. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. <laughs> uh, cool. I like the shoe idea. That's that's pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah, this is um, funny. This is funny brainstorm. Yeah, yeah I got yeah, a couple more ideas. Um, we want to. You want to do this again next time? Maybe. Yeah, let's do yeah, it again. Uh, people dig it. Let's keep doing it. You know, we'll do it every once in a while. This is fun. Yeah. So I got a few more. I'd like to get some feedback on. So um, if you guys like this idea and you want us to do another one, tweet at us at Making It Podcast. Um, and speaking of Twitter, I'm going to link these. So somebody, I don't remember who did this, and I apologize who started the conversation. I'm going to find somebody, his name. Okay. Somebody asked um, if YouTube woodworkers were Star Wars characters, who would they be? <laughs> and they listed different ones. I don't remember who was who. But Frank Howarth was Yoda, which is perfect. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> I was perfect. Han Solo. And then they, so they listed these, and then somebody, Sean, I think. Sean O'Donnell. Sean O'Donnell started making... Um, Images. He started photoshopping our faces onto these Star Wars characters. And there's one of Frank as Yoda. There's one of me as Luke Skywalker, which is ridiculous. And my wife just about lost it last night. She was laughing so hard. Yeah, David's uh, (laughs) Chewbacca with the glasses and the hat. It says, check it. Saying, saying, check it. And Jimmy is is Han Solo. I'm the most handsome. I'm like, wow, who's that handsome guy? Oh, that's me. (laughs) With that, you should definitely wear your shirt down like that, like unbuttoned all the time. And five more pounds, and I'll be able to open my shirt like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll link. I'll link the images of the tweets. I love your Dutch so cut; funny. is my favorite. Your Dutch yeah. haircut. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I showed that picture of me as Luke Skywalker to my wife last night, and she started laughing so hard. We were with a group of people, and she started laughing so hard that she started crying and could not talk to the people around us. It was <laughs> really funny. That, anyway, the best is it. W- Next time you have a, a hangout, you should definitely wear your hair like that. Just like helmet down and just cut it straight across. 
bangs. And total creeper. Yeah, and carry my lightsaber, you know. Of course, course right? Yeah, of course. Do that pose all the time. Um, what are we watching? What have you guys been watching? So, have you guys heard of Electro Boom, the YouTube yeah, channel? Sounds pretty awesome. Yes, it's really, it's really awesome. So, there's this really intelligent guy, and he does, like, these electronics projects. And there's always... Oh, yes. Yes, I there's know. always a surprise in the middle of the project where he, like, <laughs> shocks himself or hurts himself. Oh, that guy is hilarious. I saw that on hilarious. Facebook. Yes. Uh, he, he does, gets he, does he legitimately shock himself? I mean, I saw no, so I'm many sh- of them. In- I'm sure they're camera tricks, but they look so real. Uh, and his latest one is make an industrial grade nightlight. It's just a super entertaining channel, and sometimes you might learn something. But it's it's more about entertainment. I saw. I think the only video I've actually seen is his channel trailer. Yeah. And it's him, like, it shows a couple of the pops and the explosions, and it's him talking about, like, people call me an idiot, people don't know, think I know what I'm doing, and but I actually do, and I'm trying to learn this. And But there's a there's one of those explosions or those zaps at the perfect spot at the end of the trailer, <laughs> and I laughed so hard. They're, I watched that trailer one around Facebook, and I watched and I watched it like four times, and I'm like, this guy's got to know he's getting shocked. I can't, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a funny, funny, funny idea. So um, what I'm watching, I just got tipped off uh, MakerCast. This is a podcast that I've been on and you guys will eventually be on if you haven't already done it. Um, but I learned about New York CNC YouTube channel. And that channel is all about things that I need to learn that I don't mm-hmm. know yet. Like learning how to use Fusion 360 and uh, how to CNC more accurately, more properly. So that's a that's that's for me. That's that's a a lesson plan in waiting. New York CNC. It's a channel that I need to to pay more attention to. And if anybody's interested in CNCing, take a look at that channel. Yeah, he's got some good stuff. He's got some really awesome machines too. Yeah, yeah. Just like I said, I just I just perused it a little bit because I listened to his his MakerCast. But when I watched it, I was like, oh my god, these are. I I, I felt like a certain like uh, resistance emotionally because it's all things i know i need to learn so it's mm. like you know i get a little nervous like oh god i got to digest this accurately yeah so um for me um i've talked about smarter every day before right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pretty sure i have um so smarter every day awesome channel uh, the guy that runs it is a really cool guy does some really fantastic science stuff he was recently um invited to interview president obama and so there, he and two other YouTubers got to go and do an interview, separate interviews, and they all got to pick their own questions, you know, anything they wanted to. And so I haven't watched the actual interview yet. It's, I'm not, I guess it's out. I don't know. I want to watch it, but I haven't. But he released a video on his channel about what he learned from the process of interviewing him. And it was like a lot about what goes on with the preparation and about, you know, figuring out his questions and stuff like that. But the main point of it is that um, even though he doesn't agree with Obama on everything, the fact is they sat down not knowing who each other were and through just a couple of points of conversation realized that they had a lot in common about making choices, making like good choices and helping promote science and stuff like this. And so this video on his channel is really about like opposing opinions, being able to find like a common ground. It's just he puts it way better than I can. He's just really, he's a good, thoughtful guy and like has, you know, just like cool, interesting perspective on things. And so this video in particular, it's different from his other ones because it's not science based, but it is interesting about, you know, uh, being able to have conversations about stuff. I really appreciated that about it. Oh, very nice. Cool. Yeah. 
It's good stuff. Um, I guess before we go, I want to say thank you to everybody from uh, Patreon. Thank you, thank you. All the, all the people that support us, especially Luis Gonzalez mm. and Jeremy White. Mm. Thank you, guys. Top, top supporters. Um, and so if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. And we still want to do something special for the Patreon yes. supporters. Yes. Um, we need to figure that out. So if you are a supporter or you want to become a supporter, send us some tweets. Let us know what we can do. It's like a live hangout or... 10-day, 10-city tour. Yep. I'm ready. <laughs> sure. We're going to record a podcast in every person's living room. No, just And I'm going to no. drive there personally. <laughs> you will. Um, so yeah, if you have ideas for that, we really do want to do something to say thank you. So let us know your thoughts. Um, or if you're not a Patreon supporter, you can always just share the show around, leave us a review and a rating and all that stuff on iTunes. It definitely helps. And I guess that's it for this week. Unless you guys got anything else. That's it. That's it. I love everybody and thank you. Jimmy loves everybody. I just said it. So somebody else is going to have to say it at the very, very end. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. I love you. I, love you. <laughs> I got you both. <laughs> <laughs>